Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Shredded Ed, Cardio Johnny, Paul C, Matt Mork Super Troll, and Brazil Hadley. The best infotainment show around where you'll hear us joke, banter, and debunk all the nutritional myths you've heard time and time again, helping you get fit, healthy, and shredded. Welcome to another episode of the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, and we have a another fantastic special guest today, James Smith. So, uh, James, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Cool, cool. Um, so, I just we'll touch on you in a minute in terms of uh, let's find out all about you. But introduce the rest of the guys. We've got Ed, Matt, and Paul today. No Johnny. Yeah. No Johnny, because Johnny just had his baby, and he's. He's looking fucked, if I'm honest. Poor guy, he's <laughs> tired, he's moody. Like, James, you'll probably hear, but Johnny's my business partner, and at the moment he's not pulling his weight, bless him. But we can let him off. He's, um, he's technically, technically on paternity, mate, so I'm sure that's okay. <laughs> yeah, he's technically on paternity, but he's not, he's not looking good. So absent him, and you're lucky you got me, because this is way past my bedtime. Yeah, sorry about that. The time no, 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 it's fine. We're going to, you know, you're the star guest this week, so we'll, uh, we're allowed at. Yes. Yeah, Matt, Matt's cortisol is rising as we speak, so we're going to have to keep a check on it. He won't be as fun this week either, because he's not had beer and pizza. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, one of the podcasts I tuned in, uh, they took the mick out of me for beer and pizza, which I think is perfectly legit as a nutritionist. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Right, so um, thank you, mate, for coming on. Um, you're, you're obviously a celebrity star nowadays, so it's too difficult to really pin you down, but... Um, I am glad that we actually get to take your podcast opportunity in your own words. So that's a bit of a mark for us, I think. Um, so who is James Smith? And I guess why, is, why are you suddenly on everybody's social media platforms? It's funny when my friends say it, they're like, oh, Insta-famous, all of that. I'm like, shut up. It's not, not true. Um, got a few followers at the moment, but... I mean, um, so who am I? Um, a personal trainer, you know. I was personal training in the UK a year ago. Um, on my time hop, I took a look back. A year ago today, I hosted a glute training workshop in my gym on a Sunday afternoon. It was like 40 pounds per person. And I got three people to attend two slots. And I was so excited that I'd hosted an event where I got paid over 100 pounds for an hour. You know, that was like mm. me thinking I've made it. Um, I've, I've, you know, this is a great way for me to progress, things like that. And I had maybe two and a half thousand followers on Facebook. And I was posting on there. And the reason being was that I hated walking the floor. It probably some insecurities of being afraid of rejection. You know what it's like going up to someone. Hey, you know, I'm a personal trainer. You'd like some sessions? No. All right. Yeah, sorry. And um then as time went on, I was pretty much article-based. Again, probably worried about getting in front of the cam. And then I decided to move to Australia because I was personal training in Bracknell. Have any of you lads ever been to Bracknell? Mm. Yep. Exactly. It's a really average yeah. place. Uh, there's not a lot going on there. It was in the middle of like a business park. I was in a budget gym that was £20 a month. And I was running a pretty tight business, but it was pretty dull. Um, the gym was on a budget, so you know a TRX would break and it would be two months before another one came in. The last summer I worked there, the air conditioning didn't work three months, middle of summer. And at least it had air conditioning. Like 
My gym doesn't oh, have yeah, air conditioning. Yeah. We've got a big fan. <laughs> if, in that sense, so I'd speak to the manager and I'd be like, oh, can we get this sorted? And he'd be like, well, the thing is, it's going to cost this amount and we're not going to lose that many members. And I thought to myself, I want to be taken a bit more seriously in a bit more of a, a serious environment. So the options for me were either London or overseas. And I'd always thought about going to Australia. So I kind of came here on a bit of a whim, traveled for a bit. And I mean, even six months ago, I was just a personal trainer with maybe four or 5,000 followers trying to build a, a PT business here. And if I'm honest, it, it didn't go well at all. Um, and that's what really pushed me into kind of the online training realm. And it wasn't, oh, let's leave on my popularity because I didn't have any popularity when I started that. It was more so that things didn't go as well to plan. And there was probably a time that I was facing maybe having to leave Australia and having to move back in with my parents, which isn't what I wanted after traveling here for four months and absolutely loving the place. Sure. No, that's, uh, yeah, I, I suppose, obviously, if you made the effort to go, and well, not the effort, the, the leap or the jump to kind of go literally the other side of the world, the last thing you want to do is kind of feel like you have to go go going back. Yeah, yeah I mean... The, um, the, the Australian market here for personal training, I think I underestimated how good the trainers are here. People said it was competitive. And back home, I always thought, you know, personal training is competitive, but it's kind of saturated in the sense that you could go into any gym environment and you could see trainers who are clearly uninterested, looking at their phones, seeing the hours in. Then when I came to Sydney, I thought, oh, you know, it'll, it'll be all right to slot into a gym. But if anything, the quality of personal training here is is very high um you know there's trainers walking around they've got all their clients with a program on an ipad they've got some form of periodization they're very sharp they uh, invest in a lot of you know continued personal development and it was actually a lot harder to get established than i thought um and that's probably where i was at as far as trying to build a business from scratch i've probably got a bit comfortable in the fact that i've been personal training for two three years in a small environment where i was competing with for personal trainers for business. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, and I can I can see why you wouldn't want to come home. I've had to stop watching your Insta stories because I just see you uh, skateboarding in Bondi every day, and I'm like, yeah, it's it's grim in London. It's raining again in summer. Yeah, so, it's, um, it's, it's it's good out here. The people said about the culture, and I never really understood what it what it meant. And some of the things I like that are kind of weird is you can't get served alcohol after midnight in Sydney. So even if you have a big session with the lads, you get a full night's sleep and you're actually functioning the next day. Uh, the coffee here is so much better than back home. Um, and the women are much, much better looking. And it's not, <laughs> when I came back to the UK, I, I couldn't believe how many old people were about. I went to Waitrose. I was like, oh, my God, everyone in here is old. So, uh, no, it's a great place. Certainly a place that I didn't want to leave. Do you have a spare room? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, funnily enough, you say, you say about your uh, mate on paternity leave. One of our brave soldiers has mm. lost to the cause. He um, he's heading home for similar reasons. So uh, yeah, we will have a spare room shortly. Ed's the only single guy. Ed's I'm on a plane already. <laughs> I was about to say he's already on a flight. I'm sure. Get out, get out it while you can. <laughs> cool. Um, no, that's really good. Thank you, mate. Um, so I just one of the questions we want to touch on was um, around, I suppose, body image, um, and um, 
I suppose how it affect, or, or I suppose how being a personal trainer, how important do you feel it to be like um, being in like tip top shape? One for your business, but two, obviously, how does it then affect obviously the types of clients that you get? Or do you? I don't know if I'm explaining the question very really well, but so yeah, Bridget, yeah. I think I think this is the one I come up with. So basically, is you know, I saw you in Croatia and stuff. You kind of make a bit of a joke. Your mates have all got six pack abs, a bit like shredded Ed. Um, you know, and you, you haven't, which is, you know, a lot of online trainers make a big deal about being shredded, um, you know, being in peak physical condition. I'm not saying you're not in, you know, you're in decent nick, but you aren't shredded. Do you, do you know, was that a person, was that an intentional thing? Is it just a sanity thing? Um, so, you, probably, you know, um, probably work life balancing, where um, probably one of the reasons why I didn't do as well as playing rugby as I thought is that. Although I loved the sport, although I really wanted to play at the highest level, I was never willing to give up the things I enjoy in life. That balance to me has always been a bit different to everyone else. And I enjoy social occasions probably too much. Um, and I think that my probably visions and values surrounding body composition are a bit different to those around me. Uh, first thing I'd say is that a lot of people, especially in the fitness industry, in my personal opinion, can be lulled into this sense of thinking the leanest person wins. A bit like in society, it's a lot of people think whoever's got the most money is having the best life. Where So, you know, everyone's like, oh, I've got to be stage ready. But in my personal opinion, I mean, I feel like our bodies should serve us in the sense that we should work to get a physique that we feel comfortable in, that we get compliments in, that people say, I like your body. And what our physiques definitely shouldn't do is rob us of anything, whether it be confidence self-esteem, the ability to wear your favorite color. Um, and, you know, so for me, I like to be in a shape where, you know, I could wear, I could go out in a vest or a t-shirt. People go, oh, you've got nice shoulders, things like that. And the most important thing for me is that there's never a point that I feel self-conscious taking my top off. And so when I'm helping people, when I'm working the general pop, I often say to them, I'm not gonna get you stage ready. I'm gonna get you to a position where you feel like you have your, your self-esteem back, where you feel like you have your confidence back. Because not everyone who I relate to wants to give up the things they love in life because in essence, they're gonna be giving up, you know, once you get to a certain body fat percentage, it's looking at giving up 95% of your social life for 5% change in body weight. And that's a direct conflict in my values, which I suppose can resonate with a lot of people. And the second part would be I feel a lot of personal trainers in the industry are in the industry because of how they look. So if we look at athletes such as rowers, swimmers, and basketball players, they're not, they don't play their sport because, you know, they were born to do it. Their physiques ended, they ended up playing their sport because of their physiques. There's an analogy called the swimmer's body illusion. You ever heard of this? So um, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a guy pretty overweight, decides he wants to get in shape. He's like, right, I need to pick a sport. He thinks I might do running. And then he goes, no, runners are too skinny and they look miserable. He goes, I might do bodybuilding. Then he goes, nah, bodybuilders are too broad and they look stupid. So he goes, I'm gonna do swimming. I love the physique of swimmers. That's what I wanna look like. Starts swimming for a few months and then he realizes this is all an, all an illusion, this isn't real. He goes, swimmers don't look the way they do because they swim, they swim because of the way they look. And the same sense that rugby players end up playing rugby because when they run at people, people fall over and they end up getting into that sport because of the, the results of what happens. The skinny people drop off because they don't break it through people. So a lot of people actually end up in their sport because of their genetic makeup, because of 
you know, their bone structure. You know, everyone goes, oh, it's easy, it's easy to tell you play rugby, but I actually play rugby because I'm broad and heavy. I'm not broad and heavy because I play rugby. And now what we have is an industry full of people that are genetically very lean, and their friends say to them, oh, my God, you're so lean, you should be a, you should be a PT. So suddenly, you know, empathy, um, relationship skills, the ability to communicate are out the window. Suddenly people that have got six-pack abs on Instagram are getting the front position to become elite personal trainers. And everyone goes, this person must have a great understanding of nutrition and training. When the fact of the matter is that person's just got a poor relationship to their, maybe their image. They may be, you know, most of my friends with six-packs are like, oh my God, why are you having a beer? That's so bad for you, you know? And now as an industry, we put these people on a, a pedestal as the go-to people for help with our, with our composition. But a lot of them have ended up in that profession because of the way they look. And that, in some sense, I feel is why a lot of trainers are letting down their clients because if anything, they're the worst people to work with because they've never had to lose fat themselves. They've never had to restrict food. They've never had a period of fluctuations across the winter or before a holiday, like, you know, I wasn't in top nick on holiday. I was pretty fucking tired from the amount of business that I'd done in the week before. I was spending, you know, my my neat decreased a huge amount. I was on my laptop for 10, 12 hours a day. I was developing a twitch in my eye from spending so much time on my laptop. It was a much different kind of physique. I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was I didn't really want to go to the gym. You know, stresses, getting comfortable with life, things like that. The most important thing for me was being present with my clients, not really putting my, my own physique first. And, you know, so in that respect, long-winded answer to your question is, you know, I'm often quite transparent that the condition I'm in, which does fluctuate, I'll probably get in shape twice, two times a year, and probably get fat two times a year, doesn't have a direct correlation with what I'm doing with my clients. And they know that, and I'm very transparent with it. And I'll, I'll say to people, oh, look, I got fat. And it wasn't, it wasn't toxins, it wasn't hormones. It wasn't too many carbs. It was the fact that I lost my drive for training. My diet's gone out the window and I'm being fucking lazy. And then yeah. they're like, oh my God, me too. <laughs> they're like, me and this guy are middle ground. So um, yeah, it, I haven't really got any insecurities about it. And like I say, it for me, depends on the stresses of work. Shit, if I get a girlfriend, I get fat. Because I'm like, what's the point in being in shape? You know, it's, it, I suppose in that sense, it's quite relatable to other people. I think that's a really cool point because I know like last year when, um, well, I suppose two years ago really, uh, when I was looking at starting to get into kind of the nutrition world and um, started studying a bit more based on nutrition and stuff like that. And I was like, well, I kind of, you know, need to get into shape because of, you, you have to, don't you? Because then you're kind of like your advert and stuff. Um, and that was initially why last year I started dieting for like a photo shoot and um because I thought that's what you kind of needed to do. Yeah, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it, and I ended up competing, and I enjoyed that. But you know, I thought that's kind of what I had to do to to be in the industry. And like you said, you know, a lot of people are because uh, you look at the guys who are, you know naturally very lean or whatever, and, and they get into they're all of a sudden selling themselves on Instagram saying, "Oh, I'll give you a meal plan that they probably bought off their coach." Um, yeah, and, and it. It's a conversation I've had with a few people, I think, you know, they're kind of the whole like Instagram coach um, and it is bloody annoying because they they couldn't help anybody apart from replicas of themselves, could they? So, The kind of people that can stick to, you know, those those plans are the ones that, you know, are 
are very determined and very kind of want that thing. So they want to be shredded. So they'll happily stick to, you know, the we have white fish and rice six times a day. Whereas, you know, you, you probably see the excesses. So if you look at someone's Instagram, they've got, not to anyone's names, but they've got tons of followers. You know, even if you get five, 10% of those people getting good results. So the people following, that looks like, oh, everyone they're working with is getting great results. But realistically, they're failing a lot of people. And I think your point was very good there. Like, you, you know, if they've always been lean, you know, can they emphasize and go with the gem pop stuff? Because Johnny, who's not on this call, is probably one of the best coaches I know for, you know, general fat loss. And he's come from a journey where he was 19 stone, kind of leaned out, wanting to be very lean. Um, so he's learned himself, like you said, simplified things down. Um, so, yeah, and I, I think as a result that he's one of the better coaches I know, but he wouldn't attract an Instagram following, if you know what I mean. Um, he could do. Like, you've, you've proved that you can do that with, you know, informative and simple information. But Yeah. No, yeah. just on, on that point, mate, I was just going to add, because I think, I mean, I've heard a few people, some podcasts I've spoke to, or sorry, podcasts listed before, I think, well, Lawrence did on SBS, I remember quite prominently around saying, like, do you need to be in shape to be a good personal trainer? Um, I think it, I kind of, I think they did actually echo a lot of the stuff that you guys have both just come up with the points you've made. I think just to kind of counter it slightly, it did say, well, actually, to a certain extent, though, there is a bit of a, a business card, like your body is your business card. But I think you've massively overcome that just because of obviously, I guess, all of the other qualities that you have and show. I mean, obviously, you're, you're not out of shape by any by any stretch of the imagination, let's be honest, aren't you? But you've obviously shown so many other qualities that it, your popularity just soared because of it. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's... And also, it's a, a bit of... I've always wanted to be a bit of a differentiator where everyone is doing the same stuff in the industry. I was like, oh, wow, maybe I could get some Instagram likes with my top on, you know? And people go, oh, bloody hell, there's a PT that has milk in his coffee and has his top on. Let me, let me know more. Let me know more about this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you know what? I, I feel that one of the main reasons I became a personal trainer was because I hit that real keen fitness phase. You know, in your 20s, you discover macros, you discover the gym, you discover, you know, the bro split, and you love it. I kind of, in my 23, 24, 25, they were my peak years for being in shape. So I think I was actually in best shape before becoming a personal trainer. Um, and, you know, I just... It, it no longer became hugely important. I think when I first was a personal trainer, I was like, I need to look good. And then now that I've got a few thousand hours of PT under my belt, all I need is five minutes talking to someone and I feel I can secure them as a client. It's no longer about taking my top off. I sit down with someone and express that, you know, I want to know more about their, their eating habits. I want to know more about their lifestyle. I want them to be honest with me. And then if you can get across to someone that you actually care about the changes they want to make, it, it doesn't matter what, condition I'm in and uh, evidence to probably some of the best coaches in Sydney you know they're not walking business cards again it's, it's something that you have to get people in through the door and I've got pictures of when I was you know six kilograms heavier when I did bodybuilding for fun never competed I, I very much struggle to restrict calories like from psychologically more than more than physically um, you know day one of dieting I'm panicking about food yeah, days that I'm not dieting, I'll go to 6 p.m. without eating. And, you know, because of that, adding muscle was fine. I was kind of like bulky, you know, the bulky physique. You know, Swole. willing to do the cardio. Yeah. And, um, you know, being a, being a rugby player, I got away with it for, for, you know, 10 years. 
you take your top off and someone's like, oh, you're not that lean. You're like, oh, well, I, well, I played rugby. You know, got to protect the joints, got to protect the organs, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something to me that, you know, people forget. What we're doing here is, is trying to help people with our, with our expertise and experience. Um, it helps to be in shape. But, again, yeah. I can't help but think that, you know, if someone's at 8% body fat, whose physique are they caring about more their clients or themselves you know on a daily basis so but again not not to put anyone down i think that it's it's great but personally as well i do like having like i said i live with two other rugby players in bondi this is one of the booziest places on the planet with the most beautiful women it is very difficult <laughs> you know, I'm, doing, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm, I'm doing uh i'm doing august at the moment boring august and it's killer but yeah i'm actually currently in the middle of sorting out my physique a little bit you know if i yeah. did hit 100k i need to at least have a flat <laughs> maybe at least strive strive for the top two you know so then then we can kill the rumors a little bit oh it used to be a bit used to be yeah a bit i think i've seen that recently where you've been on so you get halo top out there we obviously don't get that here we all know all about halo top ten dollars a ten dollars a tub right it's crazy yeah it's, it's seven quid but you can't put a price on happiness <laughs> and uh you know, being struggling with restrictive eating, um, you know, getting that much pleasure out of a low calorie food, yes. Um, so, like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, oh, it's great. You know, take my money. Take my yeah, money. Yeah, Charge yeah. me 20. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I, like I think the thing that you, you know, you're saying there, it just comes back to balance, right? Like, the things we preach with your nutrition for Gen Pop is just balancing everything. Balance with your physique, balance with your lifestyle. You just want to be happy in your social life your personal life want to be able to have a few beers with your mates like without you know getting that dread and i've been there before when i was, was quite a bit chunkier like just dreaded drinking things like even diet coats like you alluded to earlier about the sparse fame um but yeah just getting that balance in life is kind of key and i see that with your with your insta obviously your sanity biscuits um stuff like that so, so it's good it's good I, to me it's, it's weird right i see my insta story it says 4,000, but I don't register that people see it. And also, you know, when I see the numbers rise on social media, I actually have no idea of actually how many people see that. So to me, the, the, there's been no kind of realisation about it, even with the following kind of thing. Even if I'm in Sydney and someone's like, oh, I, I follow you on Insta, I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? And, I, you know, I meet a girl or something, I'm like, oh, I do this. She's like, yeah, I know. She's like, I've seen it on your Insta. I'm like, oh, bloody hell. I'll <laughs> run, out of things, run out of things to talk to people about. I'm like, oh, I skateboard everywhere. They're like, yeah, we know. Um, so for me, it's crazy to hear you say that. It's crazy to hear other people say it because in my head, I still don't really feel that many people see what I do on social or Insta. Yeah. I don't know why. But I think, to me, it's, it's just a number. It's, it's kind of crazy to hear you say that. Yeah, I think we, like, you know, this podcast hasn't been going too long, but we're getting... No, it's all relative, but for us, we get about two. I think two thousand downloads an episode is it, Ed, which yeah, for us is, is crazy high. Like it's insane, and it's you know occasionally you hear people come back and say, "Oh yeah, I heard that on the podcast." And it's a it's quite a nice feeling in some ways. Um, yeah. In other ways, it's a bit weird, um, and I still find it strange when you get feedback on it. But it's it's pretty cool at the same time, right? It's um it's it's, it's something that I still can't get over. Um, Bournemouth Sevens back home. I went to that in May. And I got stopped by people. And I was like, are you, are you joking me? Um, even here in Australia, I'll go out for a night out. And, you know, I might 
talk to a girl at the bar. I'll be like, I'm James, and they'll be like, oh, I know who you are, I've seen your videos. And I can't, I can't get over that. It's the strangest thing in the world. I'm, I don't even know how to react to it. I'm like, what do I say next? Oh. Yeah, that's me. Did you like, did you like it? <laughs> was, was it helpful? <laughs> I get that sometimes with like clients and stuff and just people I speak to online. Like, oh yeah, I listen to the podcast. Um, can't believe you eat it like literally this week like oh i can't believe you eat a whole pack of heck sausages and i'm like yeah every week how do you know that <laughs> are you looking through my window yeah, yeah. oh no you said on the podcast what <laughs> uh, i don't even remember saying things and people say it to you uh, yeah james you're, you're you're obviously clearly very passionate about one what you do and beer and women by the sounds of it but we'll we'll leave that where it is um yeah in that order i'm sure uh I guess, obviously, some of the content you put out of late, a few personal trainers did kind of pull you up on a few what you'd consider really minor details. Um, I suppose, like, you're obviously very confident in what you're saying. Um, what do you think about, obviously, I guess, maybe some of the feedback you get? Um, and are you kind of comfortable continuing to do it your way? And I suppose what, maybe discuss kind of what that way is. Yeah, and I guess just to add to that, if, you know, if you do say something and you later find out, you know, what you've said is incorrect, you've obviously said it very confidently. I, the impression I get is you would happy to, you know, back down and say, yeah, I got this wrong. This is actually what the, the case is. Um, but yeah, be interested to see what your views are on that. So in a, in a recent video, I tried to express how, you know, I can't be right about everything. I've only actually been personal training for three years. Um, I've only got about 6,000 hours of PT under my belt. So everything that I kind of express, my opinions, my views are based on the beliefs I have with the knowledge that I have, which, you know, I never said that I was smarter than anyone. I truly believe that if there are people in the industry who know more than me, they should be in a position to reach out to me and say, hey, James, by the way, you, I believe, weren't correct about this. And I will happily have a phone conversation, you know, engage, pay them for their information or whatever it is to ensure that I'm not wrong. I have a big issue about being wrong. I don't like to be wrong ever. Um, and a lot of what goes on before this, these parts of content is me trying to gather as much information as I can. And being in an industry where a lot of things conflict, you know, I can't be right all the time. And things I have been wrong about, I've been, I've been very transparent. And even, um, you know, the nutrition qualification, which I'm about to begin with, the main man who runs that, uh, he didn't realize that I messaged him two months ago on his, on his personal page. And I said to him, thank you, because he, he changed my thoughts and my thought process is on something that I hadn't even realized where, you know, I was so adamant, you've got so many clients that are forcing down breakfast and, you know, they're not, not requiring what they're eating at that, at that time. And, you know, they're setting themselves up wrong. I'm sure you guys have had clients and you say to them, look, if, if that's all you can eat, if that's all you have time for, then maybe don't have breakfast. And I spent so much time trying to get people to stop eating shit for breakfast that I became anti-breakfast. And then I realized after listening to this guy talk, I'd become anti-breakfast, which isn't what I wanted to get. I was still pro-breakfast. I was just saying, don't eat it if you're going to eat shit. And, you know, even sometimes I, I went, I reached out to the guy and said, thank you. I was like, you know, you've just enabled me to realize that I was really pushing the wrong message. And inadvertently, you know, my values were still in the same place. And, you know, with these people in the industry that, you know, we're, we're all fighting the same battle. We're all trying to move in the same direction. We're all trying to make the realm of fitness you know, composition a little bit more simple, a little bit better to understand. We shouldn't be picking 
fights with each other or trying to push people down. We should probably be trying to, you know, all get ourselves on the same wavelength because there's so many conflicting, you know, beliefs in the industry right now that we are paralyzing our audience to not making any decisions. If we were all singing off the same hymn sheet, then, you know, it would be a lot easier for them to engage with us. But because so many trainers from different disciplines are preaching different answers, our audience are actually paralyzed with what option to go with and they're not doing anything. And, you know, if we were to all align our values a little bit closer, we would have a much better time taking on clients. There'd be a lot more people looking to do business with us. So, you know, if I'm criticized or I'm corrected, I am more than happy to have that, that conversation about where I was wrong. And like, you know, I, I never, what people seem to maybe think is, oh, someone with that many followers has to be right about everything, but I, I quite simply can't. Um, I'm still a work in progress. You know, the reason I signed up to this new qualification is that there are still quite a lot of gaps in my knowledge. And I know that, and you know, I never put on my page, hey, I'm the smartest guy in the industry. I, I just, you know, it, the, hi, I've got more qualifications. It wasn't anything that I'd ever said or ever claimed to be. So in that sense, I suppose to, to answer the question. Yeah, it does. I think um, I'm more than happy to know that qualification because we're, we're all doing it. But, you know, that, doing that qualification for me has changed a lot of my views as I've gone through each of the modules. Like, um, you know, one of the early things you'll do is look at your own biases and stuff like that. And I had a lot of, or have had still hold biases, but now, you know, the way the course goes, it allows you to assess that and say, actually, I'm let my bias sway my views on this. Um, and you can then start to critically assess stuff rather than just, you know, believe in what you believe because it suits your lifestyle. Um, so yeah, it'd be good once you get going. Of course, like, it's, it's, I'm sure cool. the lads would agree, but it's probably the best thing we've done. Definitely. And also, yeah. I'll revel in the opportunity to tell people what I was wrong about. Um, you know. My, my following are big fans and me being real. I can't imagine the kind of interactions I'll get for doing a video on things I was wrong about. They'll love it. I'll get loads, loads of shares on that. I mean, I'm like, hey, guys, today I'm going to tell, tell you 10 things I promised you were right, and I'm going to tell you how I was wrong about all of them. And, you know, I'll even put a spin on it for PR. You know, oh, Sydney-based trainer tells all about things he was wrong about. You know, I'm not, I, I revel in the fact I can't wait to find out things that I'm wrong about. You know, it's not like I'm going to be <clears throat> keep pushing out the same message over and over. You know, if anything, the biggest <clears throat> disadvantages to me or, you know, issues I could have facing forward is just an opportunity again for me to relate to my audience even better. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited for that to happen. Whereas I think a lot of people are like, oh my God, I'm so scared of being wrong. You know, being wrong about things was how I got to where I am now. So, you know, it would, it would probably be better if people, you know, if any of you, Originally, when you first reached out to me, I'm very responsive to messages. I spend about two or three hours a day emptying inboxes. If someone has evidence to back up that I'm wrong about something, just bloody inbox me or send me a, send me an email, bro. You know, I'll welcome it. Open, yeah, I'll, I'm open to that kind of stuff rather than having to have friends say, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? I'm like, oh, bloody hell, who's having a go now? You know, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think I think that's um, pretty spot on because I think one one of the things that kind of gets overlooked or forgotten is that all coaches, all PTs, I mean, predominantly, high, uh, none of them are doctors or scientists studying things. So basically, we're all waiting on 
new evidence to become to be looked at or be proven right or proven wrong so we can only sort of dish out information to the masses that is that ends up getting proven in laboratories which we none of us are going to be in aren't we yeah J- james so moving out to australia what how has your pr- approach to nutrition changed in terms of i suppose the way you deal with your clients has it changed at all because i guess the um a lot of your stuff is online right is that right yeah so um approach to nutrition you know i think it probably changed more in the sense that i went from a face-to-face approach to an online approach that's that's really i suppose geography hasn't changed my um values much you know so moving here and being in a different country doesn't mean i go about doing things differently i suppose that my actual approach to nutrition has changed in the online sense that you don't know people as well as you would if you met them face to face. So I've actually probably moved from, uh, if it fits your macros approach to more of a flexible dieting approach, that's something that I've rolled out over the last six months. And I've actually started really making things more simple than I, than I thought about before. You know, the big, big numbers are going to be calories and protein. They're the two things I drive on social media as well. And also because I can't see my clients face to face, I have to ensure that whatever I prescribe to them has to be achievable. So a lot of what, you know, I start with as far as a nutritional approach, it has to be, you know, hey, can you adhere to calories and protein? If no, okay, can you adhere to calories? Um, because, you know, it's, it's quite difficult as an online coach to really delve into someone's connection with food, their, you know, previous experience. So I'd say that I've given people a lot more of a flexible structure surrounding nutrition. Um, Again, not geography related, but in the last six months, you know, I'm a big believer in trying to work out a baseline of calories for their goal and timesing it by seven and giving someone a weekly net total, which again gives someone the flexibility to have days over, days under. Um, And, you know, I very much try and keep things as simple as possible because I, I believe, especially with my audience, the more I complicate things, you know, the more reasons to to. I don't know, put barriers up to success, if that makes sense. So um, this is another reason that I'm actually moving out of online PT. So I'm not sure if you guys know that I'm moving more into a role of trying to educate people with the fundamental basics of, of lifting and nutrition because online PT is great and I helped a lot of people, but, you know, I want to give a little bit more than numbers um goals and training programs um but yeah in the last in the last six months it's really been the basics you know a lot of people just need structure and what i actually found most of what i did what i did with clients wasn't actually nutrition based it was more coaching based it was more talking to people on a daily basis over whatsapp and i mean some of them i literally spoke to every day for their entirety because some people don't just need calories and a protein target they, they need a bit more than that i suppose that's why I really like having groups for clients, um, whether it's a Facebook group or a WhatsApp group, because people just generally just need, they, they have questions that crop up throughout the day, don't they? And if you get like a, a monthly email or a weekly email, like what's what good's that for, for anybody? You need that kind of, the, the personalised part of coaching, don't you? No, even online. I couldn't believe, um, I set up a, a group of clients that went from 30 to 50 and I kept all my former online clients in the same group and there's about 175 of them in there now. And they do tough mothers together. They meet each other for nights out. 
Um, they're doing sporting events. They share recipes. They do uh, weekly accountability. They put their photos in there. They, uh, you know, they all talk to each other, support each other. And I hugely underestimated the role of, um, you know, a community in online coaching. And it's again now where, um, with the new kind of aspect of the business I've gone into, we're three weeks in and people are meeting each other to join up to do gym, gym sessions. And, you know, I think that probably my views to online coaching being nutrition-based were hugely wrong. If anything, I'm, I'm hosting a community of like-minded people to help each other because, you know, a lot of people <clears throat> are facing their issues on their own. That's why they're looking out to coaches. And for them to communicate with people in the exact same shoes is, is, is a very powerful tool as well. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> the online coaching thing, people were like, oh, how does, how does James have so many clients? How does he generate so much business? I think a lot of the success came to the people that were in there, if I'm honest, you know. I was the brand and the person to say, hey, sounds to me like your calories need to go up. Hey, your calories need to go down. But, you know, I think a lot of people <clears throat> in the online coaching circle seem to think it's just about calories and macros. But the, the truth couldn't be further from it. Definitely, yeah. And, I, well, I met Paul and Matt through, you know, people who we had coaching us in a community very much like what you've said you've got for yourself and um yeah and the mentoring lab that's how we met brett and um yeah so it those things are a huge asset if you use them properly definitely technically it was through my instagram but i'm just saying <laughs> technically yeah it was burgers and bars but it's weird because you have this um i don't know if you've ever had this james it depends how long you've been doing online stuff but we slight tangent but you have these like online friends like my missus like who are you who are you what's happening again like because we've got whatsapp group it's going off all the time um and it's like oh, it's like my online friends like we've we've only met recently on i don't think i've actually met paul in real life brizzle and the others i have but it's just a weird thing when you operate online you kind of know everyone know a lot about them but you just you don't actually see each other in real life that often i had this when um <clears throat> when i hosted seminars in the uk earlier on this year i had uh, 12 of my online clients come along and I've been coaching these clients for 10, 12, 18 weeks. So I knew them very well, chatting to them most days because a lot of what I was doing as far as online coaching, God bless WhatsApp for desktop, that's all I'll tell you. Um, and like they would come in and it would be someone that had a relationship with, someone that helped with coaching. I would talk to them when they're having a down day. I'd spoken to them about issues they're having in their personal lives, you know, I would tell them about instances that I'd had. You know, you share quite a lot with people. You know, tell me about why you're upset. Tell me about why you didn't go to the gym today. What can I do to, you know, help you feel better about this? All of this kind of coaching had gone on. Then you meet them face to face and it was so surreal. You know, they would walk into the room and I'd be like, oh my God, I haven't seen, I've never met you before, but I know you. So I know what you mean with that. Guys, weird. And everyone that met me in real life was like, oh my God, you're taller than I thought. <laughs> like, uh, I'm about, I'm about six foot six foot one they're like you've got legs oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i think i think that's all really good points and obviously i think it really shows the art of coaching rather than just knowing necessarily nutritional knowledge training knowledge etc um what i do want to do is bring it back because obviously our, our listenership are generally um kind of general population people obviously not necessarily pts you mentioned a few things about what you do when you're coaching in terms of kind of you're setting their calories and their protein and stuff. If you could just kind of give them, like the listeners one really good tip on term, in terms of helping them achieve like their weight loss goals. 
what would it be? Log before you eat. <laughs> so I won't let anything go in my mouth while I've logged it. So it is probably an unhealthy relationship. And my friend's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I need to leave the store to log it before I eat it. Because there are times that I eat something and then I seem to have selective memory over whether or not it goes into the calorie. Yeah. So uh, I... having something <laughs> as simple as that, <clears throat> as an annoying habit, has really helped me with staying on top, on top of things. Um, and, you know, I feel that a lot of people, tying into that point, a lot of people see log, like logging food or tracking food in my fitness pal as a lot of like a rigid system, a lot of, um, you know, restriction to, you know, what you can do with your food. But please, to anyone listening, see logging your food as a means of creating freedom. I don't think enough people understand that. If you get what you need to get in, if you, you know, plan your day with what you're going to eat, you create freedom to fit in foods that you enjoy, guilt-free, and, you know, that aren't going to be a detriment to your results. And, you know, I strive off that freedom. That's why I like to track my food. It's why I'm so pro my fitness power, kind of. Um, it's not because I'm an accountant or, you know, I'm a numbers man. It's because I revel in having the freedom to eat or eat shit and still lose weight. So um, that would probably be my, my biggest tip on that. Yeah, that's, that's, good. that's a good tip. I think it's that, that comes down to, like, the analogy of where people, like, organising your diary for your time. So obviously it was like, oh, you, you know, plan out every hour. Well, yeah, because obviously if you plan out every hour, you can then account for something free, let them day to do something you enjoy rather than just kind of winging it in the morning, just seeing where you get and knowing full well you get to the end of the day and you just not complete everything. Yeah, exactly. I think that's where, where I first come across you, James, actually was um, similar stuff I say about, you know, logging. People say, oh, it's uh, time consuming and stuff like that. And someone sent me your video of you uh, saying you're too busy to log in my fitness pal kind of really resonate with me and they got shared into our group and it was yeah it's kind of how I got onto your videos I think you weren't so uh insta famous back then I think it's your early insta famous days but yeah it was good and it's it's very true right it's you have got time <coughs> yeah yeah I'll tell you one thing about not logging or, or no that's what I was gonna say say not logging before you eat actually if you plan ahead enough one of the best things about my fitness pal is when you forget that you plan something you hadn't eaten yeah, you get to the end of the day and you're like, shit in hell, I didn't realise I hadn't eaten that and I've got an extra two, three hundred calories or something I hadn't eaten. It's like the best thing. Halo Tom, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was classy. Um, cool. Uh, lads, do you got any more? I think we've got a couple of funnier questions. Have you got any more things you want to ask James? Before Actually, I, I did have, yeah, which wouldn't go into the funny realms so much. Um, I was going to ask, do, do you see much of I've, been to australia traveled a, a fair bit um but do you see any difference in sort of the approach to nutrition by the general pop, like general population to the uk and oz because when i've been there it's a bit it's a, it's a set out to be i would say I might go down and say that it's quite a clean eating route but if you compare that to back in england if you think of like eateries on the high street compared to sort of down by yeah, it's, it's kind of different. It's, you, got, you got a bit of both, really. It is very easy to get fat in Sydney, and I got the Sydney stone very quick because although, you know, you've got a lot of health bars, you've got a lot of, um, you know, places doing, you know, spirulina, ginseng, vegan shakes on every corner, and, you know, you're very vegan-friendly. Probably too much for my liking. Probably end up out of it. I'm joking. I'm joking, I'm joking kind of. Um, but at the same time, you know, you go for a nice coffee, you walk past the coffee place, you know how good it is, you go in, suddenly there's a banana bread, which is 
which is cake. They call it banana bread. It's banana cake. And you're like, oh, that and a coffee for $6. Uh, and then they got these things called protein balls, right? And they're hardly protein balls. They're like nine grams of protein, about 200 and 300 fucking calories a go. Um, it's pretty much peanut butter and nuts and chocolate cacao powder rolled together. There's a lot of hedonic foods kicked about. Now, people, I suppose, is a little bit biased living in Bondi because everyone's in ridiculous shape. Um, but, you know, the culture is eat well. There's a lot more, I suppose, the nutrition side of things, people do eat well. They, um, you know, are very conscious of their physiques. I suppose when it's summer here for about seven, eight months a year, you spend a lot of time with your kit off. So I think a lot of people are very conscious of that, especially older people. So dads and mums here are in great nick. I mean, the blokes down on Bondi Beach, they're still kicking around in speedos with abs at 50. Um, so I think that when you move on from 30, when in the UK, I feel that a lot of people can relax a lot. Uh, out here, they, they don't so much. But I think a huge contributor to not just the nutrition side of things is that people are more active. They're more prone to walk. People take the stairs here more. You know, um, in things like the lockout laws are great because you get booze, like I said before, and you, you're up at the next day at seven and you, you've actually slept. So you'll do a nice coastal walk, things like that. So I think that the two main contributors are they are very kind of health focused here, but also people just move more. You know, and people in London will sit given any opportunity, even, you know, if they've sat down all day, they get to the bus stop. Oh, I'll sit down. Um, so, you know, it's, this is one of the easiest places to get fat in the world. That's the bottom line. So, yeah. I found that when I spent a little bit of time in Brazil and when I was down in Rio, everybody looked amazing. Um, and it was typical brazilian physiques uh, as you like see on online or whatever and um, i was talking to the person who i was traveling with and i was saying oh well basically they said it's because everybody's on the beach so everybody cares about what they look like and then we traveled further up the coast to more of a businessy area um there were still beaches there but people didn't spend the times on the beaches because it was just a different way of life there and everybody was overweight and it just showed so much people yeah. cared because like you say they had the kit off so Whereas we don't really have beaches unless you can count Blackpool, um, you know, so we, we're not getting our kit off as much, are we? So. I thought there's a few decent beaches around Norfolk, mate. Sorry. <laughs> just, we, just don't, we just don't have the weather. <laughs> you, should, um, you should see the state of people that train in Bondi Fitness First Platinum, where I, where I do quite a lot of my training. It's like a catwalk. I've never experienced anything like it. And the girls are in from what I've heard, they're, putting, they're doing their makeup for their gym sessions. And, you know, it looks like Gymshark have come in to do a photo shoot. It's like, where, where are the Gymshark guys? <laughs> um, you know, it's like chicks have just had their Botox freshly done in their lip fillers before doing some, like, donkey kicks. And they'll position themselves where everyone can see. You know, like, um, every, every single dude is pretty much the same. Like, uh, shoulder-to-waist ratio of five to one. Um, <laughs> like... Milana tanned up with an injectable tan, you know, hair done perfect. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, um, you, you see a side of things where, you know, again, different, I'm probably a differentiator. I'm the only person in there that's not an extreme. Um, but um, but no, it's, it's a crazy part of the world as far as culture to, to looking good. Um, God, hot mums, I'll tell you that. Don't <laughs> stop it. Ed's already on that flight, we said. Ed's already over. <laughs> You've got any yeah, first cool. class tickets knocking about? I'll uh, I'll take one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that got some flack. Yeah, I bet. Cool. I think there's a. Go on, James. Sorry. 
Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Ridiculous. But you had a question from your uh, from the ladies in your M&E yeah. M- group, didn't you? NME, yeah. So like we've got quite a large um, we've got like, quite a large free group we run on, online. We've got like our private coaching group, but the the online group we went out to a few kind of regular posters and said, oh, you know, you've shared a few videos of James. Anything you'd like to ask him? And you know, it kind of goes back to the physique thing a bit. They all said, is James Smith single? I'm telling you, boys, that running at 12, 13% body fat, it's the new 8%. I'm telling you. you know, <laughs> um, girls like the curves these days. You know, good, you know. Now, um, yeah, I am. Uh, I hope so, anyway. I think I am. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a simple answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the thing is, at the moment, I've, I've obviously, I've got a bit, I'm in a bit of a growth phase, and I don't really want to be distracted by that. There's probably some underlying commitment issues there as well. When I order a coffee, even if I'm having it in the coffee shop, I still ask for it in a takeaway cup so that I'm not tied down to the coffee shop. You know? I do that. So, uh, yeah, so I think there's some probably some underlying commitment issues there where, uh, you know, so yeah, could be single for a long time at this rate. It tastes yeah. better as well in a takeaway cup. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You never know when you never know who's going to walk in for an awkward conversation and duck out the back. So oh, yeah, yeah, now now that you're Insta famous, yeah. No, this is this is still a weird concept. Insta, I haven't even got that many on Insta compared to Facebook. But um, yeah, it's weird to be called famous because I don't see it that way. You'll I've be getting your blue tick soon. Do you know what? That is something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, surely you can get but, that. I thought it was 10,000 followers, right? Um, That's Facebook the swipe function. Decide, Facebook have to decide for you. Um, okay. I, I'm actually currently helping um an australian who competed in the olympics and she has only got 300 followers and anyone that went to rio got a uh, blue tick it's given to them which is pretty cool so they get given to athletes you know olympians um yeah funnily enough she she messaged me and was like can you help me with my nutrition and i was like you've got a blue tick she went yeah I was, like, what, I was like, what do you do then? She was like, oh, I do this. I won't mention the sport. And um, she was like, I'm really struggling with my nutrition. I was like, do you not have a nutritionist? She was like, yep, I'm a dietitian. I was like, okay, so what are they getting you to do? And Jesus. Like, I, I, I looked through the plan and my response to her was, fucking hell, are you sure? <laughs> um, and I said to her, like, look, I can give you a few tips. I can't really get involved. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. But um, yeah, she, she was given something that was... It's not sustainable, obviously, from what she was telling me. But I was very envious of her blue tick. It's like, oi, give me that. <laughs> but, you know, like, um, yeah, modern, uh, modern day status symbol. You don't want a Ferrari, you just want a blue tick. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll trade it in. No, it's, um, that, that would be, it would be cool. But, you know, imagine that. Imagine, I don't know, meeting a hot girl at a bar. She's like, oh, what's your Insta? Oh, yeah, sis. And then she goes, you got a blue tick? Oh, sorry about that. Did you see that, did you? That's probably the only thing I'm playing for. Uh, that is only smooth. Joke. Only joke. No, you're not, though, are you? <laughs> the thing is, though, you know, you know, full well, Ed's taking notes. He's like, right, okay, blue tick, bar, lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine my, my flatmate is just up going up to girls and nudging and being like, he's got a blue tick. Um, but yeah, um, don't know. I, you have to be like a, a, a legit celeb to get one. So I don't. Don't know or don't think that's going to happen. No, nah, I, I, I think you, you have to be um, at high risk of being um, 
uh, copied, I think. I think obviously that's the reason for it. So if they think that, or if you give them a reason to say that you're, someone's going to copy your profile, then which is just start making copies of yourself, mate. That's what you need to do. Yeah, start that's making... it. I'll start, I'll start doing that now. Bloody James Smith. I could report 10 in the fitness industry now with that name. Exactly. Um, but um, yeah, I'll start. So James, why haven't you replied to me for eight hours? I've just been making, uh, you know, counterfeit uh facebook profiles for myself <laughs> uh paul do you want to uh crack on with the the best part of the, the interview well yeah i was good the first series I'll, I'll have a serious one first that was who would you say has been your biggest influence in your career so far could be information wise could be uh, it would be uh phil learning hmm? so um i've attended a lot of his seminars um studied within his academy there were things that he said that have resonated with me to this day. Um, and, you know, yeah, single-handedly, he would probably be the, the main one, yeah. Good answer. Um, wait, I just ditched off my question there. Uh, where am I? All right, all right. So we're going to go did you up. Guys, um, did you guys ever hear of a chap called Paul Moore? Yeah, I know Paul. Yeah. So, again... An influencer, he's kind of moved out of the position that he held within, well, he still runs Marketing Muscle, but he, again, was a, a funny one because I resonated with a lot of his content very well, but not so much from being a personal trainer, but from being a marketer. And I don't know, did you ever uh, listen to his podcasts or? Yeah, uh, yeah, back in the day. So he was the one that got me into email marketing and... Do you guys, have any of you guys ever got any of my emails before? Famous daily emails. I've heard of them. I haven't seen them. So um, it was a real risk for me to, you know, Paul Moore was big on these email marketing things. And one thing, if I ever get given advice, I take it. And email marketing to me was something that I'd, I didn't think would work very well. So I only got four A to C's, GCSEs wise. And that was in French, science um and pe so i'm hardly uh you know i didn't get a gcse in flipping english and now i do email marketing and paul mort was adamant you write your emails you will make money through emails kind of thing and now i actually run my whole business sales funnel through email marketing i got thirteen thousand on my email list and it took me 10 months before i made a sale and I don't think a lot of people really understand. I know a lot of people in the fitness industry start to grasp how powerful email marketing is, but I never really tell people that it took me 10 months before I made a sale. So I sent emails every day for 10 months, and then I made my first sale on that. And now I took on 60 clients last night from one email um, for my academy. And, you know, for trainers listening, Email marketing is the most powerful means of communicating with your audience. And Paul Moore, from the marketeering side of things, and Phil Learning from the how to be a great personal trainer kind of things, those two really kind of chiseled the path that I've taken to it. Yeah, so I've, I've seen that. Don't you run that almost as a separate website these days? Famous Daily Mail, is that, that one? Your uh, email. No, so I just, bought, I just buy domains and redirect them to uh, uh, okay. these pages. So, um, you know, even I was at a gym called George Street. I bought the domain james at georgestreet.com. So I could just redirect people to sales pages. Um, again, cost them like eight quid a year or something. So, um, yeah. 
nice. Cool, Paul. It's getting well past my uh, my bedtime. See the stress <laughs> rising. Um, <laughs> I think I might have the answer, but your favourite place in Australia you've been to? Oh, I tell you what, it's Cairns. It's up in the north. Good answer. It's, I like Cairns. It's tropical. Loads of palm trees. Real cruisy. I went there a couple of weekends ago. My mate who's here, he's a bodybuilder, and we both skateboard. And he rings me up on a Thursday. He goes, how spontaneous are you out of 10? I said, I don't know, eight. He goes, where are we flying? And we flew to Cairns. We got in trouble for trying to get our skateboards on the plane, so we had to check them in his luggage. And um, we just used it as our mode of transport. And I'm still yet to find out whether or not it's drink driving if you're drunk on a skateboard. But, <laughs> um, to be continued. It is on a bike, I think, isn't it? Or it is in the UK, I think. In, in, the, in the UK, it is on a bike, yeah. Yeah, so... I'll have to check. I'll have to check, but yeah. Okay, Tim Tams or penguins? Tim Tams. I don't sure. I don't think penguins have got the structural integrity to um, suck up hot chocolate through by biting the corners off. They and don't. integrity is an important thing when selecting a chalky biscuit. That is true. See, that's it. You've made it now with me. <laughs> yeah, James Smith is well over. He's, he's made Legit. it with full C. You know, life is done. Who needs yeah. a tip? I think, uh, I think that's the most confident question I've answered the whole podcast. That was. Well. That was straight in. That was good. Um, our final, well, I'm going to ask you a question that we normally ask, but I'm going to swerve it into a slightly Australian mode. So normally we'd ask, I'll get it right, hang on. Would you rather <laughs> face a, Brett, I've forgotten it. You said it. What is Holy it? shit. I've got the Aussie version. Seriously. Are you really? Come on, mate. You can get this right. No, I'm gonna. I need to give you the chance. Right, hang on. Just think the big one has got to. Would be you rather world. face fight a fight fight? Would you rather fight a duck-sized horse or a hundred horse-sized ducks? But I'm gonna swerve it to be: Would you rather face a kangaroo-sized duck-billed platypus or a hundred platypus-sized kangaroo? <laughs> Probably Just 100 duck-sized kangaroos, probably. Um, <laughs> enable you to kick more, which, you know, be half your artillery in a fight. So, yeah, probably that. Probably the latter. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, to be fair, that question bombed. Sorry, <laughs> mate. It's... <laughs> Past his bedtime, he's, you know, he just can't think straight. I'm nearly 40. I should be in bed by now. <laughs> Yeah, get you the old man. Ah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we got anything left, or should we wrap up with James's socials? Yeah. So James, Most people know him, but there's, there might be some people in our podcast that haven't haven't heard of you yet. So well, there's not many people. Your one. There can't be many people left in the fucking UK, is there? Jim, it's not. It's still not that big in comparison. You think that, like, although it's it's a fair amount. You think there's, I've seen, there are idiots in the States who have got like 5 million followers who are blaming world obesity on toxins. And, yeah. You know, it, I'm kind of sat here with ATK thinking, yeah, it's a lot, but how did those people get to 5 million? Yeah. Um, you know, when they're legitimately like, you know, it's not the calories, it's the toxins. I'm like, how did you get there? You so, just um, change your name to James Babe or something. That might get you there. Yeah. Change your name to 5,000 calories keto and you'll be well in. 
oh fuck ketogenic diets man they they boil <laughs> my blood more than anything else and like the i the worst thing is that people so many people end up in my inbox asking for help post keto and you some of them are like i don't count calories here are my keto macros and i'm like well you do count calories and they're like it's worked for me it's such a good diet and then i add up their macros they're on a thousand and twenty calories and they're like you know 17 stone i'm like is it any wonder that you're losing weight you didn't know but yeah there you go sorry i've got a That's quick question theme, but... just before we do wrap up i've got a quick question what's the best nutrition myth you've ever heard best as in like what's the worst thing you've ever heard oh jesus um oh god well this is a tough one actually well like the worst piece of nutritional advice I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah and actually follow that up with what what's the worst you've heard and what's the worst you've actually done because you know we start this off before we start recording about uh bulletproof coffee but we'll we'll please see what you've done worst one i've ever heard Probably I could name five from what the health. Uh, it would have to be that having, that having eggs are worse than cigarettes. And I mean, if you fucking believe that, then, you know, you don't deserve ever to have great composition because you've got more pressing issues than that. Um, but the worst piece of advice I've given. No, no, the worst, the worst thing you've done yourself. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And what, as far as the diet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I tried juicing. And I had to discontinue after day three because my mum was calling me an arsehole. And she doesn't swear. She's <laughs> the most polite woman you've ever met in your life. She still slaps me for, for swearing. I was, I was live one day and she called me a bugger for dropping an F word. She came out. She's like, she still calls me darling. I'm like, mum, I'm 28. Leave it. Um, and she, she, yeah, she doesn't swear. Day three of juicing, she was like, James, you have turned into a complete arsehole. And I heavily suggest that you start eating again. And she gets what she wants so i had to discontinue and then it was only afterwards that i was like why the fuck did i even try that out you know how there's been a book released and juicer sales have gone through the roof people people have to be stupid or desperate so you're telling me that you know trading calorie dense foods for watery residue from fruit and vegetables is going to help me lose weight is it fucking hell yeah and i can't believe i tried i said you know what guys before i slate it let me try it that used to be the old James Smith. And then, you know, someone goes, why don't you try ketogenic? Why don't you try being a vegan? And my response now is, is fuck off. Um, you know, no thanks. Don't know how many weeks I've got left on the planet. I don't want to spend them keto or vegan, thank you. Um, but yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, I thank you ever so much, mate. I think you're really good to hear you speak about all that stuff. Um, I'm sure the other guys agree. Do you uh, want to give yourself a little chance then just to plug whatever you want to plug? So your socials, obviously your academy stuff. Um, yeah, I suppose um, my social side of things, uh, you know, Facebook, Insta. I used to be called James Smith Training, but I've taken off the training. I only have that on there because it's quite hard to find someone called James Smith. Um, I've, just, I've just launched an academy. So if I'm completely honest with, with you and everyone listening is, I never fully believed in the product of online personal training to its full extent. I felt that I was helping people. I felt like I was servicing them in the same sense that I don't feel like I fully believe in face-to-face -face personal training as a holistic solution. So with that in mind, you can imagine I get asked a lot of questions on a daily basis regarding the most simple of shit. How many calories should I be eating? How should my macros look? 
how do I set up a training program? What is a quad dominant exercise? So with that in mind, I've created a website called The Academy. And it's just a place for me to host all the answers, really. And I segmented things into tutorials on how to use my fitness pal. You know, I've got other coaches in. I've got a pre-postnatal chick talking about the anatomy of the core and the pelvic floor disorder, like dysfunction, things like that. And over time, I'm just going to accrue loads of information from different coaches and myself and host it in a website where someone can, you know, go in and learn at their own rate. If they want to spend 20 pounds and blast it all out and leave whatever. But it's the James or it's jamesmithacademy.com. And um, it's kind of, it's my vision at the moment to not, you know, it's 12 times cheaper than what I charge for online PT. And for me, I truly think that this is actually a product that will change lives because I find that with personal training, with online personal training, you're kind of a nanny to someone to a certain extent, but people don't have the financial resource nor the requirement to keep you on as a trainer forever. So this is a kind of product that I've started that I've said to people, it's 20 pounds a month. And I, I very much doubt many of you will leave for quite a few years because it's going to be like an ongoing growing platform that I put in 12 new modules this week. You know, how to use a leg press without going into spinal flexion, things like that. Um, real simple stuff that I don't really feel anyone else in the industry is doing. And it's kind of funny that some personal trainers have sent their clients my way for that so they can focus with the training side of things. Um, so that's probably my shameless plug. Um, you know, that's... It's kind of like my project at the moment. We got 1,100 members in our first three weeks. So it's growing quite quite quickly. Um, it's good. Cool. Incredible. Really, well, really thanks. cool. Yeah. Yeah, well done, mate. I, obviously, I think, like, inspiration to a lot of us that will obviously want to be able to kind of have the same sort of reach as you have. So appreciate all of the, uh, of the cool stuff you talked about. So... Um, should we wrap up there then, boys, I think? Obviously, let Matt get to sleep so he doesn't have any more stress Cry. levels. I'll get out of Thank you. Um, uh, thanks, thanks for having me. I suppose this is the um, first time I've done anything of this sort as well. Um, floodgates will be open now, I suppose. Oi, James, where'd you buy your followers? <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you buy it now? I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, but good, good to have you back on a few months, see how things have progressed. If, you're, if you know... Be nice to hear if any of your opinions change further down the line and stuff like that. So hopefully we'll get you back. Um, sounds sounds to me like they will. <laughs> no, 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 still, no, still. <laughs> but, um, but no, yeah, I look forward to it, and um, I'll probably be communicating with you guys inside as well uh, in the lab and things like that. So no, I look forward to it. Yeah, definitely. If I if I do manage to obtain a blue tick before then, the first words in that podcast will be blue tick motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, we can we can we can hope we can pray. <laughs> right, I, that's a good place to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah, hit the button, Ed. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.